0: Hi everyone, welcome back. Today is October 5th, and if it's Tuesday, then this is The Delve. This week we return our attention back to domestic policy, uh, and specifically, once again, Texas. Uh, A lot has happened in the state with respect to human rights over the last year. Republicans have taken aim at abortion, vaccines, LGBTQ youth, that's just to name a few. Each of these issues deserves a conversation of its own. But today we'll look at the issue that underlies them all, voting rights.
1: Tonight, Texas joins at least 18 other states that have enacted new voting restrictions since the 2020 election. Republican Governor Greg Abbott signed a measure into law earlier today. He said it combats voter fraud. Opponents claim it suppresses minority turnout. The law was driven in part by former President Donald Trump's baseless claims that the presidential election last year was stolen.
0: On September 7th, Texas Governor Greg Abbott signed a repressive voting rights bill into law. Before we discuss the details of this bill, let's zoom out a bit. Since the 2020 election, Republicans have taken newfound interest in voting rights. Not to expand them, but to make them less accessible. A report from the Brennan Center revealed that 18 states have already enacted 30 laws just this year to make it harder for Americans to vote. In early July, the assault on voting rights came to a head in Texas. Governor Abbott had called a special session of the state legislature to address voting restrictions, critical race theory, the bail system, pushing back social media censorship, and rules for transgender student-athletes. In Texas, the state legislature only meets once every two years. A special session can be called to allow lawmakers to convene outside of their regular session to complete unfinished tasks or address emergencies. News of the special session was met with outrage from Texas Democrats, not because Governor Abbott called it, but for the hypocrisy in his definition of a crisis.
1: But first tonight, all eyes are on the Texas Capitol. The first special session of the 87th Texas Legislature started today. Governor Greg Abbott put a lot on lawmakers' plates, 11 items on the call, many of them controversial, and just 30 days to get bills to his desk. KB's Molly Oak is live at the Capitol for us tonight. Molly, lawmakers aren't wasting any time getting to work. No, not at all, Ashley. The House gaveled in, and about 20 minutes later gaveled out. So lawmakers got right to work, but not before making it clear that not everyone is thrilled with what's on the governor's agenda. Democrats even held a press conference after it gaveled out and then joined some on the Capitol steps at a rally, saying they are not fans of the governor's agenda, especially election reform. So things are already getting tense in the House. Arlington Republican Tony Tinderholt filed a bill to fine lawmakers who break quorum, taking a hit at Democrats. Meanwhile, Grand Prairie Democrat Chris Turner asked if lawmakers can essentially defund the governor's office, a clear response to the governor vetoing funding for the entire legislature after Democrats killed the elections bill. And Democrats say the governor's agenda shows his focus is on partisan politics instead of the state. They show you his truth. They show you what the priorities are for the Republican-controlled legislature. And let me tell you this. We're here because we're about building bridges, not walls. To be clear, Governor Abbott can still add topics to the call. and The Democrats are hoping he will make criminal justice reform a priority. Now, both the House and the Senate are back tomorrow morning. The first public hearings will happen on Saturday.
0: It's important to note... Abbott did not call a special session to address the COVID crisis, nor did he do so during Hurricane Harvey or Winter Storm Uri, which caused 4.5 million electrical outages and 15 million people to be without water across the state. Democrats called Abbott's bluff during the session, arguing that his attempts were to push oppressive anti-voting legislation. The bills proposed during the session included new ID requirements for mail-in ballots, a ban on 24-hour polling locations, drive-through voting, and ballot drop boxes, among other repressive and ridiculous measures. These measures were very helpful last year as we were in the height of the COVID pandemic. I would go as far as to say these measures probably saved lives. But Texas Republicans don't care about life, they care about winning. In an attempt to halt the procession on the special session, Democrats pulled their nuclear option. They fled the state and went to DC. Let's take a listen to Chris Turner, chair of the Texas House Democratic Caucus, when he landed in DC.
2: Today, more than 50 Democratic members of the Texas House left Austin and left Texas. Not because we want to. It breaks our heart that we have to do it. But we do it because we are in a fight to save our democracy. The nationwide Republican vote suppression efforts, anti-voter efforts, is coming to a crisis point in the state of Texas right now. We have, we're in the middle, we're at the beginning of a special session where Republicans are rushing through new anti-voter bills in the House and the Senate through marathon hearings over the weekend that lasted all night, 24 hours. And ignoring the voices of the diverse, the diversity of Texas, who pleading who are pleading with the legislature, they say do not make it harder to vote in Texas, which is the hard, hardest state to vote in already. And Republicans continue to ignore them because they are determined to do whatever it takes to curry favor with the Donald Trump base, which is the Republican Party now, and continue to promote the big lie that somehow Donald Trump actually won the last election that we all know he lost.
0: Under House rules, there would not be enough members present in the legislature to conduct regular business. Texas Democrats sure caught the attention of the national public, even stirring President Biden into anger.
1: We must act and we will act for our cause is just. Speaking with unusual fervor in Philadelphia, President Biden accused Republican leaders of embracing autocracy. They want to be able to tell your vote doesn't count for any reason they make up.
0: While Texas Democrats certainly elevated the conversation of voting rights to the national level, it seems that their best intentions have been thwarted. September 7th, the bill the Democrats fought so hard against was signed into law. This week, we speak with Charlie Bonner of Move Texas, a voting rights advocacy group working hard to preserve and expand voting rights in Texas. Charlie was firm in our conversation. Hope should not be lost. Hey, Charlie, how's it going? How are you? I'm doing all right. Doing all right. Thanks for having me. We're really, really grateful to have you share some time with us. There is so much happening in Texas. And I guess before we you know, start all that,
3: tell me a little bit about yourself and the work that you do. Absolutely. Well, thanks again for having me. Currently, I'm the communications director at Move Texas, which is a nonpartisan nonprofit focused on building political power for Texas's young people through voter registration, voter mobilization, and advocating to tear down These barriers to the ballot box that exist for so many young people, particularly young people of color across the state of Texas. I'm a voter registrar. That is like my passion in life is making sure that folks have access to voter registration. The comms comes after that at the basis of all of this is making sure that our friends and neighbors just have access to the information that they need to be voters.
0: Great. I love that. And it's actually not far off from how I started my kind of like activist life. So really relating with you there. I want to start this conversation with news just straight up right out of Texas. Just from yesterday, during this on the A, Governor Greg Abbott signed this new voting legislation. What's the impact of this new piece of legislation?
3: Yeah, this is a fight that has been going on for a hot minute now. And I think to understand where we are now, we have to go back a little bit. To the full story of this legislative session, Texas only meets the legislature here for 140 days every other year. They can only pass bills for 70 of those days every other year. And so with such a short window, we really as advocates thought they were going to spend this session focusing on covid relief making sure that we were stopping the spread of covid in a state in which it is unfortunately still rampant or that they were going to address the failing energy grid here that the government failure killed hundreds of our neighbors back in february we assumed these very real issues were going to be at the forefront of this legislative issue and then voter suppression became the thing that bubbled to the surface you know, bread and buster issues like silencing voters, the things people really care about. This isn't unfortunately very surprising here in Texas. We have a long, ugly, and racist history of voter suppression. The governor himself has been on this campaign for a decade now, going back to his time as attorney general, where he frequently prosecuted Black and Brown voters and their get out the vote efforts. Going back to last session, there was a similar omnibus anti-voter bill that was going to make it harder for voters and a voter purge where they attempted to throw out 100,000 voters off the Texas voter rolls, the vast majority of whom were naturalized citizens. We were to stop that bill, stop those efforts two years ago in that legislative session, stop the confirmation of the Secretary of State that led that effort. And that all leads to this fight, right? And really, 2020 becomes a forefront of this as Texas is leading the country in many ways in increases in voter turnout. A lot of that being driven by groups on the ground like Move and Texas Rising, Jolt, and you know lots of these folks that are doing year-round organizing year in, year out. And also many of the local solutions that we saw that arose even before the pandemic, many localities in Texas, places like Harris County and Bear County, where San Antonio is, Travis, where Austin, have been doing a lot of great local work to expand access to the ballot. We've really decentralized elections here, more than 250 different counties with 250 different ways that they're running elections, which means that there was actually a lot of space for innovation that met voters where they are. Those things worked. They increased turnout last year, particularly amongst young Black and brown voters across the state. And so it is unfortunately unsurprising that those local solutions were the first thing on the chopping block in these pieces of anti-voter legislation. And so the final version of this bill really ties the hands of our local elected officials, even as we are in the middle of this pandemic. This is nowhere near over here in Texas. And many of the things that they were able to do to hold safe elections in Harris County, like drive-through voting or 24-hour voting that expanded access for our frontline workers, those sort of things are now illegal.
0: As a voter advocate, I'm always, like, interested in really cool, innovative ideas. I had never heard of our voting, but apparently it happens sometimes. And I had never heard of (laughs) drive-through voting, which sounds awesome. And imagine if that was, like, nationwide.
3: Both of these were COVID solutions. Expanding hours made sure that more folks could spread out and go when was convenient to them. Drive-through voting helped limit exposure for people helped make sure that you could drive your elderly grandparents and make sure that they were safe. But, you know, they have now in Harris County specifically where the drive through voting, they've done it for seven elections now, local elections, wow. primary elections, and people love it. It is a simple way to cast your ballot that is safe and secure. And the only reason it was on the chopping block is because it was a successful turnout method in the most diverse county in the country. What's the
0: like official rationale for cutting off drive voting?
3: They're not great at giving reason. They don't particularly care in uh-huh. debating and fact and reason. Right. <laughs> These voter suppressors, that's not their strong suit, I would mm. say. This effort to limit access to drive through voting went back to the election when there were Republicans in Houston that sued to have the ballots thrown out. We're not talking about just cutting it off, limiting polling out, whatever you want to do. They wanted to throw out cast ballots in the hundreds of thousands.
0: Basically, ballots cast at 7 p.m. or something. Was there like
3: some time thing that they were worried this about? This was particularly all of the drive through Anybody right. who had voted drive through Wow. And even though I think it's important to note that both of these and many of the other local solutions that we saw were run by and approved by the Republican-nominated Secretary of State, who runs the state's elections. This is not something that was happening randomly or ill-conceived. This was a pro-voter solution approved by the Republican Secretary of State that they then came and attacked after the fact. As a way of trying to sow distrust in our elections in a system that was working for folks, that was meeting working people where they were and actually expanding access, those are two of the biggest things that are coming out of this legislation amongst increased access for partisan poll watchers in the state, which is another issue that we saw arise out of conspiracy theories. State-level
0: election officials want to put a halt to the drive through voting and to the 24-hour voting, the turnouts. It's doing amazingly well. Is this maybe like a method that, you know, other officials have thought about exporting to their counties? Why is it only the most populous counties that's doing it?
3: Great question, and it has a couple of factors. One being that these larger counties in Texas are ginormous. they are amongst the largest counties in the country and so holding an election for that many people is extraordinarily difficult we're talking about millions and millions of people that need to cast their ballot in a state that has the most restrictive voting laws in the country so these local elections officials in these larger counties were doing everything they could to meet folks where they were particularly in that pandemic right that was hard-hitting these urban areas there are politics to that, certainly. That Mm. these are counties that are controlled by pro-voter politicians that were willing to allocate resources to ensure that we could hold safe elections in the middle of a pandemic. They saw that as a priority for their communities. They know that increases in voter turnout are good for the health of our democracy and for Mm -hmm. the health of our communities. And so that was a worthwhile investment in those places where that is not necessarily what we see everywhere and particularly not at the state level. I'm just
0: wondering if this was a political thing and they're worried about voter turnout in certain areas, why not try to increase voter turnout in the areas that would be more beneficial to you?
3: Well, you know, my cynical answer is these folks in power do not think that they can win on the issues with this rising electorate in Texas, Uh one of the most diverse electorates in history and the youngest electorate in history. They can't win on Mm. the issues for the next decade. And so they're trying to change the rules they are right. trying to stack the deck against young black and brown voters to ensure that they can hold on to power. We're going to see the same thing in the redistricting process that is now underway oh, right. here oh, dear. in Texas as they redraw the lines for the next decade. It's interesting that the census data that was just released, which we know already undercounts many communities of color in Texas, showed mm. that 95 percent of the growth in this state over the past 10 years has been driven by people of color, right? 95%. That's a remarkable number. And so 95% of the growth in this redistricting process Mm. needs to go to those same communities. Mm. Do we think that is what's going to happen with the folks in charge currently? No, they do not have any interest in actually representing everyday Texans. They are interested in their own power. This fight against racist voter suppression and this fight for redistricting, the fight we had last year to ensure a complete count of Mm -hmm. the census are all connected. Mm -hmm. These are all part of the same fight, the very basis of our democracy here in Texas to ensure that folks can make their voices heard, make sure that we have a representation in our legislature so those folks are actually delivering on the issues our communities care about. Because what we have now is a full radicalization of policy that is not supported by the vast majority of Texans, whether these are the extreme measures we're seeing on restricting abortion access, the most extreme legislation in the country, the continued attacks we're seeing here on trans kids, just kids who want to play sports. They are calling another special session, the third special session we will enter this year, includes a fourth attempt to attack trans kids. And we know all of this is connected to this same fight and our ability to make our voices heard and have folks that actually represent our communities.
0: And there was actually a pretty big fight back in July in the midst of the debate back in the state's legislature. The Democratic legislators walked out of the session. They flew to Washington in protest. How effective was that?
3: Yeah, and I think it's important to even take a step back before that, right? That original version of this anti-voter bill as it was introduced was devastating. All of that to say that the original version of the bill would have had devastating effects, particularly on voters with disabilities here in Texas. There were some very egregious provisions considered. In one, thousands of Texans spoke out. Many for the first time, we're talking about everyday voters, but also artists and activists and business leaders, folks who have never gotten involved in this process before. And because so many people spoke out, many of the worst provisions of those bills were taken out. And they also gave us time. When people spoke out, when we dragged these hearings through the night, as we did several times over, We pushed them through the legislative process. And in a state like Texas, where the legislature Mm. meets for such a short period of time, time is very important. And so we were able to push that priority piece of legislation, one of the top priorities of the governor, the lieutenant governor, the speaker of the House, everybody who was in charge here, it was pushed to the very last day of session, which gave the Democratic lawmakers that opportunity to walk out and kill that bill the first time. So that first time they just needed to walk out for one day and killed that legislation. Also, as a result of that first quorum break, again, some of the worst provisions of that bill, stuff that would have limited hours on Sunday voting, which we know is critical to souls to the polls effort, there were provisions in there that would have lowered the threshold and made it easier for folks to overturn election results in the will of the people. Both of those provisions were taken out that first time because of that first quorum break. And then we go to a special session in which the governor renews his call to pass this anti-voter legislation, makes it clear that this is a top priority. It gives the opportunity for those Democrats once more to walk out. The critical part that I think maybe folks don't understand is that they really did need to leave state lines for that quorum break in texas they have the ability to put what they call a call of the house on which Mm -hmm. means that they can mobilize state troopers to arrest lawmakers and bring them back to the floor but only within state bounds so it was critical that they left in that moment they also left after a 24-hour hearing on this bill in which more than 400 pro-voter Texans showed up and registered against this bill, and only a handful of the conspiracy theorists and the crazies who normally show up and spew these anti-voter schemes. We outnumbered them in massive ways and shared our stories. And then at the end of that hearing, they passed that bill out of committee with no amendments changed nothing for the hundreds of people that showed up and showed clearly how this bill was going to negatively impact their communities. And it really was that moment that was the impetus for the second quorum break that took lawmakers to Washington, D.C., where they really put a national focus on the desperate need we have here for federal intervention. And it was important, one, again, even more of the worst provisions of that bill were then amended out that bought time for advocates to continue to have these conversations and make sure that some of the worst things never became law. But they also put a spotlight on Texas. This is a state that has been critically under-resourced by national progressive organizations for generations. generation. People feel willing to write off Texas as a lost cause And then suddenly we became leaders in a national movement for the freedom to vote. We changed the conversation about what is possible in Texas. And all of that is because so many everyday folks spoke out. This is a true grassroots change that is happening in this state. The voting rights community has grown strong here out of absolute necessity. We need these people to continue to show up. And so I think activists made that quorum break possible. And that quorum break is changing the conversation about Texas. And I think that's going to have an impact for a long time. Because all of this gets back to that federal intervention, right? Mm. What we really need is reinstating that federal preclearance when that Shelby v. Holder case gutted the preclearance for states with a history of racist voter suppression like Texas, that's mm. when we saw increases in efforts to put in more voter IDs. Texas, right, had first implemented one of the most strict Voter ID policies in the country that was then overturned. And we're now in some mid-stage of that voter ID battle here. This is a state where you can use a state-issued gun license to vote, not a state-issued student ID. Tells you just about everything you need to know about these folks' intentions and Mm. who they'd like to vote. As we mentioned, this also led to the closing of polling locations. More than 750 polling locations across the state of Texas have closed since the gutting of the Voting Rights Act. Nationally, the number is only something like a thousand. Texas makes up a huge majority of where these polling locations have closed and they have been concentrated in black and brown neighborhoods where, again, going back to that census data, that is where we are seeing the most growth. Logically, this is where we should be putting polling locations and ensuring that we're expanding access. But instead, we restrict. They nip and tuck these election laws. They nip and tuck the polling place map to make sure that they can hold on to power.
0: I just want to give like a quick explainer for the listeners. The holder lawsuit that you're referring to earlier is when the Supreme Court basically gutted the Civil Rights Act of 1964 that prevented states that had histories of voter suppression against communities of color before they made any type of election law changes. They had to get some type of clearance from the Justice Department in Washington after the Supreme Court gutted that clearance, states in the South, began changing election laws at a crazy pace. And we've kind of seen the reaction from that now. We're like freaking out over Texas. And it's not just Texas, it's states across the South that are doing similar things like this.
3: What we're seeing right now is a national and coordinated attack on the freedom to vote. It is an effort in state houses across the country to again, nip and tuck these election laws to make the smallest electorate possible, the least representative electorate possible. We have to view this in that national lens as well. What's happening in Texas could be happening in every state house in the next year. And we have to be vigilant about fighting it everywhere. I think Texas it is particularly important in this fight because we already have the most restrictive laws. A study came out last year that said Texas is the most difficult state to cast a ballot in the costliest state in the country to cast a ballot. And instead of trying to reduce those barriers, they are trying to put up more intentional barriers. It's shameful to see. And so even giving folks an inch towards restriction is a mile in Texas compared to where we already are.
0: There was this report from the Brennan Center that indicated it's not just Texas, like you are saying, but there are 18 states that have already enacted 30 laws just this year alone,
3: mm-hmm.
0: making it harder for Americans to vote. Why are we at this point? What can we do to kind of push back against that?
3: Well, I think it's important to look at this again in the broader lens, right? One, this country has always been a work in progress when it came to our democracy. We have never had a fully representative democracy in this country. That is something that we are striving for, but we have not yet gotten. And as we get closer to that, there's always pushback there's always right. efforts by those in power to take us back to ensure they can hold on to power this happened with women's suffrage this happened to expanding the franchise all of these fights throughout history have mm. been met with massive resistance but people of good will and good conscience come together and they defeat them every time because we move towards progress and we move towards that more perfect union that is the thing that we strive for each and every day so the fight continues because it matters this may look different for folks I think to often we get caught up in our historical frame of what voter suppression is, right? It looks different than a poll tax, right? It looks different than having to be a white land owning man. The laws have changed. So the suppression tactics change. And that is why we have to be so vigilant about how these nip and tuck these election laws, because the intent is the same to silence voters to hold on to power. It is incumbent upon all of us to know that history, get involved right now, because this isn't just a voting rights issue, right? I'm involved in this fight because I know that voter suppression is an LGBTQ equality issue. And for me, that is critical. I know that we can't get anywhere on queer liberation unless everybody can make their voices heard, unless we have folks in office that are actually fighting for our communities and don't feel like they can discount us as second-class citizens as they so often do in this state. Now we are realizing that voter suppression is an abortion access issue. Voter suppression is a Green New Deal issue, a climate change issue. Everything that we care about is on the ballot, and when our elected officials don't feel accountable to us, we can't implement policies that the vast majority of Americans or Texans want to see. That is why this fight is so critical. It doesn't matter what issue you care about most, what is mobilizing you to the polls. All of it is affected, and we can't take action on any of the issues we care about if we have a democracy that doesn't work for everyone and doesn't include everyone.
0: We're seeing these bills make their way through Congress back in DC for the People Act and the John Lewis Food and Rights Advancement Act. They're running into a bit of a hiccup in the Senate. If these bills were to pass, to what extent would they be helpful?
3: Well, they're going to pass. We are doing everything in our power to ensure that they do. And Texans, again, are leading the way in that fight. As I mentioned, so many Texans speaking out Reduced harm in these bills, these anti voter bills that we saw through the state. And we know the power of the people in this fight is critical. Texas is a model of that. And so, in the same way that folks spoke out here, we need folks speaking out around the country. And it doesn't matter if you're a voter or an actor or a musician or the president of the United States, we need folks to be speaking clearly right now to eliminate the filibuster to ensure that we can protect the freedom to vote in this country in one of the biggest attacks on our democracy that we have seen since the Civil War. This is an absolutely critical time to get involved in the fight, and we desperately need this federal intervention. As I mentioned in that John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act, that federal preclearance is very critical to states like Texas to ensure that they cannot enact these laws that have a disparate impact on voters of color and those from whom too often have been the subject of these voter suppression laws. And then looking at the For the People Act, a lot of great things in there, particularly important in this moment is eliminating that partisan redistricting, as it would have been really great to have that passed before this process right. started in exactly. Texas that is going to Lock the hands of many people for the next decade in this state as things are so rapidly changing right now. Would have been great to have that. But I think we will see action on these bills soon. And we are hoping it comes sooner than later because we are real tired of fighting this alone down here.
0: Is there anything that we can do like right now to reverse these latest voter restriction laws? Or are they pretty much baked in?
3: I don't think they're baked in. Again, I think it's important to remember that we have a lot of bad laws here, (laughs) unfortunately. This is one of the only states that doesn't have online voter registration. There are so many simple solutions that we really need to see put forward. But this fight is not over there are three or four lawsuits so far just over this one piece of legislation and the impact that it's going to have and so we'll obviously all need to be following those pieces of legislation as they move through but i think it's really critical that we call on our congress people we call on our senators and ask them to take bold action in this Mm -hmm. moment we use whatever platform we have to call on the white house to issue a firm statement in support of the freedom to vote in the elimination of the filibuster. That's something that all of us can do wherever we are. And I think it is particularly important to highlight the fight for abortion access that is happening as well, that I think has really woken up a lot of the country about what's happening. I'll speak candidly and say that it was frustrating to see how many people spoke out the day the bill became law. It was clear in this fight months ago when the first hearings happened on this bill that this was going to be one of the most extreme pieces of legislation anywhere in the country. And advocates begged for help Mm -hmm. from everyone and they didn't get it. And then to see the outpouring of concern after it was too late is upsetting uh, someone on the ground here. And so one, I think this is a very critical time that if you are upset about what you are seeing, that you are donating to a Texas-based abortion fund into the legal defense funds that are going to come from the erroneous lawsuits as a part of this wackadoo legislation that they have passed through. And I think we also use it as a reminder that we can't wait until bills become law to speak out. We have to be engaged in this process. We have to listen to advocates on the ground when they ring the alarm that something terrible is going to happen and going to have national implications on our fundamental rights. We got to uplift those voices on the ground and not wait for the national groups and for D.C. to do something right. We have to be more connected to what's actually happening in these state houses across the country, because that's where the real fight for our fundamental rights is happening right now.
0: I've been wanting to do an episode on Texas since last year, since we started the Delve. And one of the things I wanted to talk about, your two great senators, John Cornyn and Ted Cruz, what's their stance on these bills?
3: So they're, you know, basically useless. When they even show up in the state to do anything, they'd prefer to leave us for dead, freeze to death over here instead of actually taking any real action to support Texans. So it is unfortunately unsurprising that they are also involved in this voter suppression fight. And mm. they benefit from a system in Texas that restricts access. Their own power is tied up in that fight. They see the writing on the wall. They know how close the last few elections have been. Instead of ever trying to win on the issues, instead of trying to support everyday working Texans, they'd rather restrict access.
0: What can we do? How can we support Move and the amazing work that you do on the ground?
3: We are now getting back out there and the next phase of this fight is ensuring that People have access to the information that they need to be voters in the face of all of these changes to the election law. And so we have young advocates all across the state on college campuses putting clipboards and hands and making sure that young people in this state know that they have a right. They have an obligation to show up and make their voices heard and that we'll do everything that we can to support them. So if folks want to find out more about that, they can visit movetexas.org. Join us in this fight. It has been a very long year to be a Texas voting rights advocate. It's important to remember that all of these Texas organizations are going to need our support going into the next election because Mm -hmm. so many of us extended a great amount of resources on this fight and are going to need even more resources to overcome the legislation that was passed. And I like to end these
0: conversations asking folks something that makes them hopeful or optimistic about the future. What makes you hopeful for the future?
3: so much about this fight. It's important to remind ourselves, it's important for me to remind myself how much was accomplished in this fight in Texas. This is a state where voter suppressors control every lever of government. At every turn across the way, we shouldn't have been able to make the impact that we did to stop so much negative anti-voter legislation from passing. We shouldn't have been able to make this a national conversation. We shouldn't have been able to move the needle on federal legislation, but we did. And we did it because everyday folks started showing up and making their voices heard. And people who have never thought about speaking out in defense of our voting rights did so because they knew it mattered in this moment. I went to every single one of these election hearings on these major pieces of legislation. Almost all of them lasted through the night. The last one of which I went to, I testified at about 6.30 in the morning after having gotten there at seven o'clock in the morning the day before, but I wasn't alone. There were so many people that stuck through the night. There were couples there with their small kids asleep in the back of the hearing room because they wanted to show their kids that speaking out when it mattered was important, even if it was hard. And even if we weren't going to win that fight, it was important for them to be there. And there are so many stories like that of young people who skipped class or took their virtual classes from the Capitol so that they could be there and that they can make their voices heard. Sharing your story always makes a difference because it is an empowerment that you can't take away from anyone. No amount of voter suppression, no bill that they could pass can take away the power of those people who spoke out. And I'm so inspired by what we saw in Texas this year, and I know That is going to lead to massive change in this state in the future.
0: I love it. I love it. Charlie, once again, I'm so grateful for having you on to the Delve today and giving us this perspective of what's going down in Texas.
3: Thank you. Thank
0: you. It was great talking to you. Likewise. You can support Charlie's work at Move Texas by visiting their website, movetexas.org. Lastly, if you're interested in some of our written content, go check out our blog on Medium, You can find us at thedelve.medium.com. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you next Tuesday. This is The Delve.